Hey there, welcome to The Third Seat. This is the show where we have open and honest dialogues with experts who have a unique perspective to share straight to you. I'm your host, Daniel Trinum with Croft & Frost, and I'm excited to bring you today's episode. As always, all links as well as relative information will be in the description of this episode down below. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's join into the conversation. I'm really excited to bring you today's episode, and my guest today is somebody who I have gotten a chance to talk to a little bit uh, over the past few weeks, and he seems like a really down-to-earth guy, somebody who uh, I think you all really enjoy to hear about his story, about what he does, how he got to the position that he's currently in, and you know whatever other topics we get to uh, during this conversation, we'll, we'll just see what happens and where it goes. So uh, before we get into it, my guest today, he is somebody who works here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he works at a company called Freight Waves, where he hosts numerous shows, uh, numerous podcasts, and different multimedia uh, avenues of uh, content, and as well as uh, news style uh, sharing of information. Along with that, he is a former TEDx speaker back in 2020, right here in Chattanooga. And he's somebody whose personal story really uh, speaks to me a lot. Like I, I really, really like it a lot. It's very uh, very inspiring, and uh, I'll let you go into more detail about it. Uh, <laughs> sure. I don't want to take up too much of your spotlight, uh, but if you all would, just welcome Timothy Dooner to the show today. Tim, thanks for coming well, on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for the nice introduction. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate sure, it. Always yeah. cool uh, hanging out with uh, little Chattanooga business leaders, yeah. and I love to see the scope of media growing, so yeah. it's, it's awesome to see other companies doing stuff like this, too. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and like I said, uh, you know, you've been doing this whole podcasting in front of a camera, speaking to a microphone kind of ordeal for longer than I certainly have. Uh, but people like you and the position that you find yourself in is, is really inspiring to me because I think it's cool to find people who have found uh, careers and, you know, passions of theirs or they've been able to carve out somewhat of a niche career, at, uh, career lane for themselves and really be able to capitalize on that. So... Uh, just give a little bit of background about yourself, what you do, how you got to where you are, uh, sure. and just anything else you want to tell the people that are listening before we really jump into this thing. I mean, how I got to where I are actually started almost across the street almost exactly two years ago. <laughs> My first interview at Freight Waves was, uh, was right across from where you guys are. Yeah. We've since moved down on Market Street to a different location where we put in our TV studio, but it's really interesting being back here and just kind of like, as I was walking over here, because mm -hmm. we're only like a mile away, yeah. I was sort of reflecting on, uh, on the journey and um, how that sort of came about it might be easier to tell this backwards yeah. I mean right now I produce TV shows podcasts mm -hmm. host TV shows and podcasts for Freightways. we're also building um, I'm in charge of building a, a brand new media brand we're building like the barstool sports of mm -hmm. freight so mm -hmm. we're like Freightways itself yeah. really addresses like the c-suite and breaks down the market and what's mm -hmm. going on and freight this is more about like the culture and the virality of freight mm -hmm. and the visuals and the memes and commentary with uh, with a younger slant a little rowdier mm -hmm. um, a little, uh, a little edgier. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's yeah. been really like Chattanooga is awesome. I didn't know this place from Timbuktu before yeah. I came out here. <laughs> and uh, I'm from the freight industry. I wasn't in, well, I wasn't entertainment at the start of my career, but for a long time I was in the freight industry. Mm -hmm. And um, I got myself in this position where I uh, was, I wanted to start getting into content marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So I started my own podcast. Um, it was independent mm -hmm. and. Uh, and I got hired by this company to start doing, and that was kind of the goal, right? Mm -hmm. I was like content marketing myself yeah. through the podcast. Yeah. Got hired by this company, Aborn and Company, started ghostwriting and making shows for mm -hmm. them. And when I was there, I started hearing about this Chattanooga company. Like mm -hmm. as I'm doing news write-offs, just one yeah. company kept going higher and higher in the Google rankings. Yeah. And uh, it was Freightways, and I started looking at their brand and, and, um, and who worked there and what they were going for. And it was so radically different than how my industry had been framed that... Um, 
kind of a, I, I contacted Craig Fuller here and yeah. I was like, I really need to interview this guy. And usually when I interview people, like I just want to interview them. Yeah. But like this was, there was a little bit of an ulterior motive. I mm -hmm. was like, I need it. I need to come here. Like yeah. I was at this point in my career where I was doing the content marketing, but I wanted to be like a natural podcaster mm -hmm. and TV producer. I didn't really want to do the RFP side and yeah. making decks and yeah. looking through like Salesforce analytics. Yeah. So when I, when I saw Freightways and I interviewed Craig, he reached out to me and he said, uh, if you ever want a job in Chattanooga, come out here. So uh, I took the trip, I took the interview, <laughs> I had to convince the wife and move yeah. the kids out. But we've loved it. I mean, Chattanooga is a fantastic area, especially with, with kids. We actually got our, uh, our house here about a year ago. Oh, yeah? So we're kind of staying in for the long haul. Yeah. So that, that's great to hear. Uh, I, so I'm not originally from Chattanooga per se. My hometown is about an hour up the road. But I, so I was fairly familiar with Chattanooga before I actually moved down here for school and uh, everything beyond that. Uh, what was what was your first reaction to, this is going to sound silly, but just the name of Chattanooga? Because I know a lot of people, they'll hear Chattanooga and be like, that sounds kind of funny. Like, what What the heck is that? <laughs> well, you know, like you know, like Chattanooga Choo Choo. Yeah. You've heard of that. Yeah. but um, And you know, it's somewhere in Tennessee. Yeah. But I, other than that, I had like no idea. Yeah. Just got an Uber when I landed at the yeah. airport, came out yeah. here, had no idea what I was. Then I got to like my hotel room and I started walking down Market and Broad Street and saw how walkable the city was. Mm -hmm. And um, it was neat. It wasn't hard to yeah. uh, convince my wife to come out here yeah. either. And I thought that might be a challenge, yeah. but she really, um, she loved the beauty of this place. Yeah. And I think that people don't like fully, it's almost like a rainforest over here with yeah. some of our mountains, yeah. man. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, you get with Chattanooga specifically, and for anybody that's listening that hasn't been to Chattanooga or isn't from Chattanooga, sorry, you'll just have to visit, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but it's really cool, like the blend of this somewhat big it does it's it's big enough to where you definitely feel like you're in a city but it's not overwhelmingly huge in yeah. my opinion but at the same time you know there's the river there's the mountains there's this integration of the environment like the the actual natural environment in the city as well which would give this really cool fusion of you know like i said being in a big city and you've got the big tall buildings and all oh, the traffic and all this stuff but then it's like oh there's a massive mountain range over there and there's a oh, river yeah. going right through the city and there's another whole other part of the city across the river it, it's really cool and like i said i'm not from chattanooga uh, natively, but it's it's such a cool area. I, I love Chattanooga. I think it's such a cool place, and I'm glad to see that it's been growing, uh, both from a cultural perspective and from just a business and personal perspective. It's been really cool seeing it grow. So yeah, I'm glad glad you're here, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, we keep seeing the company grow. Yeah. You mentioned that that TEDx too, and it was, you know, for me, part part of part of my journey, and you already know it because you, yeah. you've seen the TEDx, but. Yeah. Um, it didn't matter what Chattanooga was. Like I yeah. had to be there. I was I was on uh, a mission. Yeah. And my story really starts in 2016. Um, I'd been in the freight industry for a while. Before that, I was in the music industry for a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and I don't. But when I was in the freight industry, I was lived in Boston, and mm -hmm. I had to commute to work. So um, I used to love like when I was in LA. I used to love listening to, like talk radio in mm -hmm. the car. Can't mm -hmm. listen to talk radio when you're walking with. Yeah. At least back then, you couldn't stream. So yeah. I got really into podcasting, yeah. and um, I'd always wanted to start a podcast. And um, you know, those things in the back of your mind, I never got around to it. Mm -hmm. Well, in 2016, I was doing sales for a freight company and I and I wanted to do it for them. I was like, this will be great content marketing. I'll mm -hmm. be able to do introductions to people. Mm -hmm. Well, they didn't like the idea. They fired, they fired me. <laughs> um, it sucked. My wife was about to give birth at the yeah. end of, uh, this was the end of October. She was giving birth at the end of November. Yeah. And I remember though, um, I, the good part of it is it forced me to confront a, uh, a problem that had been, that started basically when I was 18. Mm -hmm. So it was about half my life, yeah. a journey with, with alcoholism. Yeah. Um, very, very heavy drinking, especially near the end, like 2016, mm -hmm. when I lost the job, I remember that first week, like they gave me my, my severance check and mm -hmm. I'm like, 
great, I'm gonna go buy a handle of Tito's. Yeah. You know, and um, and I did that, and then I got one the next day, and the next day, and then I'm like looking around at my family. I'm like, yeah. my, my my wife's here. I got I got this kid who's about to be two. I got this. Uh, I got another kid who's just about to be born. Yeah. And um. And I remember an old mentor of mine that I had at an old job, and I remember he was telling me about going in for treatment and recovery and those kind of things. So I just called him up um, like three in the morning. He was out in LA, and I said, look, if I don't get help, this I'm gonna be in a really, really, really dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked me like through, and he told me about the advantage of like going into therapy and rehab and those kind of things. And uh, after I got off the phone with him, I sent an email to my wife and my family, and I said, please, if I, if in the light of morning, if I try to get out of this, don't let me, you need to take me into this, this rehab. So um, I did that. I went into a dual diagnosis facility, and I was able to uh, combat Lifelong issues with uh, with the alcoholism, but also with uh, depression and anxiety too. And I had a, a really good counselor there. And one of the things he said to me was, um, he, he wanted me to find something that that I could build into because he knew that I had lost that job. And I'd mentioned the podcast that I wanted to do, and he was the one who really encouraged me. So while I was there, I contacted a, a friend of mine and said, "Let's do that show I was mentioning to you." And it was cool. We got to launch it, and uh, and. It was tough at first, yeah. but it's really um, it's really been cool that that little project that started as a uh, as a way to to exit recovery, right, and to have something to focus on, um, has turned into this career and this huge freight company down the street that's both crushing it in data and in media, mm-hmm. and, uh, w- and we keep growing. Like yeah. I started with just doing the podcast once a yeah. week, now with the trucks three times a week, mm-hmm. producing multiple shows, created a podcast network with over 20 different shows on it, um, have crossed uh, several million downloads now, mm-hmm. we added video components, added multimedia, and then as I mentioned, my new project is building out uh, a new site brand for them, yeah. that's that, that Barstool of Freight, yeah. so it's been crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, and the cool thing about what you know, you just went in pretty good detail about your personal story and, and how you got uh, to where you are today. The cool thing about it is that oftentimes I feel like the trajectory of our lives is never, it, it's usually not straight down or straight up. It's, it's like a roller coaster. I mean, you're going to be up and down and around and going like in weird pockets. And, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, like five, five almost six years ago, whenever you first started podcasting, I mean, you probably would have never, if, if you had met your, like, if you could talk to yourself back then, you would have, that, that version of yourself would have been like, there's no way, like, this is going to, like, yeah, I mean, I hope this turns into something, but, like, the, like, you're, you're going to be so against yourself at that point, because, you know, like you said, <laughs> you've got a two-year-old, you've got another child on the way, you just got fired, like, you, yeah. you've got so many things fighting against you, but when you can get that perspective to look at your life in the broad, you know, from a broad view, those valleys really are what propel us to the the peaks that we want to reach, you know. Uh, and I, I think it's cool that your story is a is a complete testament to that because, you know, like I said, if you were looking at yourself five or six years ago, you and I'd say anybody would probably be like, who this person like they're they're not going to be hosting a show at a freight co- like what what the heck does that even mean? But here you are today. I mean, you're living proof of it. You know? <laughs> I you know, not to like I wasn't like cocky or arrogant like yeah. like but here. After a couple of months into it, yeah. uh, I I was like, this is what I got to do because mm-hmm. I really, really, really thought it would would work. And concurrently, I was still applying to jobs and everything, um, uh, 
the problem was I would go in for these these sales roles, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do sales, I wanted to do marketing. Mm -hmm. So I was already kind of against it, but then when they'd hear about the podcast, they'd be like, well, there's there's no way you can do that. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, well, can I launch an internal one for you? And yeah. they, would say, they would say no. So, and I didn't really tell my wife at the time, but I would turn down these jobs and it was getting tougher and tougher, but I was like, I gotta keep this going. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the summer of 2017, I finally went to an interview, I kind of wanted the job, but lost it again, because I had the podcast mm -hmm. and, um, I still want to go in that direction. I was mm -hmm. considering it very hard, but it, again, it was another sales role, mm -hmm. and I felt like that would cause me to maybe even relapse. So mm -hmm. I, I stayed with the dream. Mm -hmm. um, and shortly afterwards, um, we, the funny, we had to start, so I couldn't do a free podcast, I had to do a yeah. secret podcast. So yeah. I, it is still out there, it's called Snack Masters Inc., but I had to do like a secret, so, because I really wanted to keep my chops going. Yeah. Right, yeah. and I was like, well, maybe I have to take one of these jobs and I just do a podcast yeah. under a, an assumed identity, and yeah. uh, and I'll do another genre. And the funny thing is, though, you talk about life and the roads that take you. All the things I learned during my first freight podcast, like I don't use any of those now. Mm -hmm. Everything I learned during the snack podcast, yeah. I do because the snack podcast pulled from like so much from pop culture and entertainment. Yeah. And look, freight can be inherently boring, mm -hmm. so you really have to tether it into concepts that people understand. Yeah. And I think that's ever more important now or in the past year that um, supply chain's been in the mainstream headlines. Yeah. It's been in vogue. You have people, you know, once that toilet paper outages and yeah. then you're hearing about the, the shortages <laughs> of Christmas or you go look for a car yeah. and everyone has been impacted or touched, be it through inflation, shortage of goods, not being able to get a car on time, whatever they've been. Um, they've been hit by this supply chain mm -hmm. crisis. So I think there's a lot of relevance in people's minds too. Yeah. You know, like you said, the the whole uh, topic of like supply, the global supply chain, the domestic supply chain, like that's been a very hot topic for the past you know six months or so. Uh, when you think about the the just industry of you know freight and logistics, I mean, understandably, like you said, people are like, okay, like yeah, those are the big trucks that go down the interstate and they're carrying stuff, and that's that's kind of the end. like that's about the end for most people. That's at least yeah. you know up until I saw what you do, that was the end for me because I was like, yeah, they just transport stuff. Uh, but there's a lot more to it, and like I said, you're living proof to proof of that. Whenever you were, uh, you know, tasked with this job, whether it be at Freight Waves or before Freight Waves, how did you combat this kind of idea of like, yeah, I want to host a podcast in this show, and I want to do all this multimedia stuff, but I got to talk about trucking and logistics and and freight. Like, how did you? How were you able to take this on the surface kind of boring topic and turn it into something that? is actually entertaining and informative, you know? Like they always say, like, write about or do do what you know. And I'd yeah. spent, um, I'd spent 12 or 2005, 11 years. Yeah. I'd spent 11 years in, <laughs> in freight up until that point. And yeah. um, my dad had also been in freight before I had yeah. started there. In fact, he was the, uh, when I left the music industry, moved back to Boston, he was the one who, uh, I was getting really desperate for jobs. Mm -hmm. I thought like, oh, I'll move back from LA, harmonics, or like, I'll yeah. be like working for Guitar Hero and all this yeah. stuff. That's not how <laughs> life turned out. Life, I got rejected from every single job. So so yeah. um, he was like, hey, I know this guy at FedEx Trade Networks. It's in East Boston. You, If you want a job, you want to go. And I was out of money. So yeah. I went. I thought like within six months I, yeah. I would be out of there. And it was a shitty journey. I was, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It was a crappy <laughs> journey. I had to uh, I had to take, um, I lived in Dorchester and I had to take three different trains and you had to like walk over a mile across yeah. like this drawbridge yeah. where the tankers would come through. So like half the time you're coming by, there can be this drawbridge up for like, mm -hmm. Who knows how long? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I decided to turn that into a competitive advantage. When I needed to do my first one, I was like, well, I shouldn't just throw away all this freight experience. Mm -hmm. What I should do is 
make this palatable to people mm -hmm. and like really use all the concepts of the podcast, like the Bill Simmons of the world that I've been listening to. Um, Adam Carolla before he went like so crazy. <laughs> like, but, um, I, I was a big listener. So I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd spent years just figuring out how podcasts sound and how they should sound yeah. and how there's a need for it to be sort of conversational. Mm -hmm. And um, that sort of informed my method forward. And that's where I just applied it to freight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's, Kind of the point of like what we're doing here is like you said, you know, you take what you know, uh, you know, obviously if you sat down and said, okay, I'm going to try and talk about, you know, I don't know, underwater gymnastics, you probably wouldn't be able to talk about that because, you know, who, who knows about that? But like you talk about what you know and you talk about it in a friendly and conversational manner. And, and that's really the key, I think, uh, to making stuff like this work is because when it's in a conversational manner, when it's in a manner that is person to person or however many group of people are talking at the same time, uh, when it's when it's human and, it, and it's actually like it's coming from the heart, like how you're presenting it, you can take really any topic, whether it's, you know, uh, the news or whether it's uh, freight or whatever, any topic can certainly be turned into a very entertaining and informative uh, discussion point because like you said, it's from the heart. It, it's a genuine uh, conversation about this topic and I, I just think that's really cool. So I commend you on that, man. Well, I think like, yeah. it, when you look at it and the initial thought, now I'm way more focused. I'm not as focused on the like the sort of content marketing, but that was my initial with yeah. the, the, when I was hired by a company, I initially was doing it more from the content marketing mm -hmm. aspect. But if you want to, you want to network. You want to have an easy uh, pretext or pretense for a conversation. Start a podcast. Yeah. It makes it so easy. But I remember when I initially started, my first thought on it was like, it'll be easy to sort of form relationships with people and you have something to offer them before like you ask them for something mm -hmm. or, or just if you need information. But the other thing I didn't really take into account and I, I started to realize really quickly though was like, you're not just forging a relationship with that guest and doing that network, uh, if people start listening, you start forging a relationship with an audience. Mm -hmm. And then people start coming to you and it becomes like, it becomes like this lighthouse, right? Mm -hmm. And you become this beacon and it draws things to you. And now it takes a little while to like swirl up that gravity and get that momentum yeah. going. But once you do, they see their colleagues on there. They see other mm -hmm. people they know, they see business leaders positioning yeah. themselves and they want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And you would never have that access, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, that's the awesome part about content marketing. Yeah. Like, it does take some setup, it takes it takes some work, it takes dedication, yeah. you need a good team, yeah. but the results, if you dedicate yourself to it, are fantastic. Yeah, and I think that's the key to it, is, is wherever you're starting, whether you're starting from, you know, step one, or you find yourself ahead somehow in, in whatever aspect or career path you want to work down, being consistent with it and being uh, diligent about what you're doing, you know, nobody's going to be perfect or great at anything from the very first attempt. but. The longer you go at it, uh, the more consistent you are with it, the odds are in your favor. You know, I've, I've talked to people before, I said, whatever you want to do, uh, you know, right now, you may not be great at it, but I guarantee you, if you give yourself, you know, six months, a year, two years, you're going to be better at it from now sure. up until that point, whether it's, like I said, podcasting, whether it's your job, like your corporate job that you do during the day, whether it's a hobby you have on the side, whatever it is, any aspect in life, you're going to get better at it. There, there, there's virtually no way you won't get better at it if you commit yourself to it. And I think that's the beauty of it is, is you know you don't have to necessarily have a head start in whatever avenue of life you find yourself in to be good at it to be great at it you just have to be committed to it and have to be willing to put in the hours and diligence in that craft you know that's right i mean you get you have to push down the gas pedal yeah. yourself though you have to keep yeah. especially with content Mm -hmm. Like con content never never stops, right? In mm -hmm. order to keep the that, that audience and that engagement, you have to keep putting things out. And that's where that that um, dedication comes in. But mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know. It, it, for me, personally, it's been life-changing on so many levels. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So you just said it's been life-changing for you and uh, something which you... Uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit later about the whole experience you had whenever you spoke at TEDx, but I would imagine you would not have, you would not have imagined yourself as a TEDx speaker if you, if you saw yourself, you know, uh, five, six years ago. And, and for those that haven't, haven't watched uh, his TEDx speech, you definitely should go check it out. Uh, but there's this theme of, of you talk about finding your voice. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool concept because not everybody wants to be in front of a camera, be in front of a microphone and speak. But I think in whatever avenue of life we find ourselves in and however we, we hope to be successful, that is the essence of finding your voice. You know, whether it's uh, content marketing, or whether you are the trucker itself working for a freight company or whether you're whatever, whatever avenue it is, finding your voice and being able to express yourself through what you do is essential. Talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, just the process that you went through of, of you know, kind of quelling any doubts that you may have had whenever you first started this and quite literally finding your voice because starting something like you started and turning it into what you have turned it into is no easy feat, I would imagine. And it's something that if you are not able to find your voice like you talked about, you probably won't be able to do. It, it's taking opportunities, yeah. right? A lot of that finding your voice is, is it's forced. It's, it's like anything. I mean, it's, it is hard work, yeah. right? You're putting yourself out there. You're exposing yourself. Some mm -hmm. people excel at that, some don't. Mm -hmm. um, myself, personally, that wasn't the first time I went into rehab in 2016. I also went in 2009. I also tried to combat it, but I went with the wrong attitude. I was like, okay, if I can stay sober for 90 days, I don't have an issue. Stayed sober for 90 days, and unfortunately, the girl that I was dating at the time, um, Brought home a bottle of Jack Daniels to celebrate. <laughs> it's a little dark when you think yeah. about it, but she did. And um, and it quickly escalated back up to to where it was. But when I was there, the the advice that my counselor at the time gave, because I, I, I had a lot of problems with social anxiety, was, um, you know, throw yourself into the fire. Like, mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, there's an improv, the improv asylum is in Boston. Mm -hmm. They offer training classes. Go to the improv asylum. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I guarantee you it'll help you. And I was a little like nervous at first, but I, you know, like in high school and stuff, I did some theater stuff. It's like in the Crucible, Cambridge School yeah. Western. <laughs> guys saw it up there. No, nobody did. All right, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like famous or anything, but <laughs> but um, but I started doing improv, and yeah. it was great because uh, it, it really taught you to sort of think on your feet mm -hmm. and be a good conversational partner, mm -hmm. and and look at look at conversation as a as a dance mm -hmm. and not not a, a movement like the. the the concept of, of improv itself yeah. is yes and. It's not disagreeing or nagging you. It's, yeah. it's taking what you said and building upon it. Yeah. And that's how conversations work too, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. Unless they're really stilted. Like you see some shows are like super scripted mm -hmm. and conversations don't go on <clears throat> naturally mm -hmm. because there's there's stopping points mm -hmm. on the piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah, and I I love what you just said about how conversations are a dance. It's not it's not necessarily uh, it's it's not one singular movement. It's a very fluid and dynamic uh, back and forth between at least two people. You know, uh, I think especially you know given the events of the past two uh, going on now, like it's soon to be three years, uh, there have been a lot of pressures and uh, a lot of different negatively acting forces on just how we interact with people because obviously with the pandemic i mean there's this whole skepticism about uh being around others and just everything sure. that came around came from that uh i'm sure there's going to be somebody that or i hope there's going to be somebody that listens to this that resonates with that and i know i have myself this idea of a conversation being a dance what are some like tips that you would give to somebody anybody that wants to even if it's just in their personal day-to-day -day conversations wants to kind of uh, get that that advantage back. Get that power back in their conversations, and not feel like they're you know isolated in like an ocean of of people necessarily. Uh, whenever they're having a conversation, you know. 
Yeah, and uh, look, there's there's a very sort of natural thing where someone's talking to you, especially in more stressful situations, mm-hmm. like you have a camera on you, yeah. or it's a business meeting, or first time meeting yeah. someone, where you're like, you're thinking about what to say next. The mm-hmm. problem that happens if you're thinking too much about what to say next is you stop listening mm-hmm. to what the person's saying to you now. And I think, I, I think why people do that is they're afraid to have nothing loaded mm-hmm. in the chamber, yeah. where what you have to remember is that if you listen to people, right, and you take in the words that they're saying, you can just go off that. Like, you don't have to be so hung up on where you want to bring the point, because that's where conversations kind of die, yeah. right? And, uh, I, I, and uh, you also have to sort of feel people out. Like, mm-hmm. uh, when I interview people, I usually kind of start pretty soft and mm-hmm. light, maybe get into something personal about them, yeah. just so you can see how they react. Yeah. There's not, it's not really even for information purposes, yeah. it's for like my own emotional purposes mm-hmm. to just, to get on the same curve as you. Yeah. Or to bring up your energy level, yeah. or maybe to like, maybe I gotta bring down mine to meet you, or yeah. maybe a, whatever it is so we don't clash in contrast yeah. too much. Yeah. So you have to be a really good listener, and yeah. you have to adapt to the person that's talking to you. And I think that that skill takes, uh, takes quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. And it takes tone control, and it takes it takes eye control, mm-hmm. and it even takes uh, length control. Like mm-hmm. I've talked to some people, and I know they have no attention span. <laughs> so like I'm going to make very quick points, yeah. and yeah. like keep moving because I know they'll listen and be more engaged. Mm-hmm. And also like I empathize a little bit because because yeah. I, I have pretty bad ADHD. So yeah. um, I, I I know the struggle is real. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think it's just such a cool idea to think about. It's like you know, it's like okay, I want to. Maybe I want to just get better at speaking to others or in front of people or, or whatever. Like, it, that can be a tough task. Like, you know, I, I don't consider myself to be a perfect speaker, and I, I would dare say you probably don't consider, like, there's always room to improve, but getting to a point where you feel comfortable talking with other people or in front of a camera or in front of a you know, group of people or just one person, uh, it's cool that the idea, at least in your mind, and I would agree, is, is not to think, okay, how can I speak better necessarily, but let me listen first. Let me yeah. see what they're trying to say because you know if, if we're talking right now and you're, you're speaking to me and I'm just like, okay, what am I gonna say next? What am I gonna say next? And whatever I say next might not even make sense because I haven't even taken in what you've just told me. You sure. know? And I think that's, that's such a cool idea because it, it takes what we think we should do. You know, We think we should get better at speaking. We should get better, not be as nervous when we're speaking. And it actually says, no, just, just slow down for a second. Slow down and, and start listening. Listening to other people and it'll, it might just come naturally to you. I, think, I, I just think that's a really cool idea. You know? I, see, I struggle too with like too much prep. I'm not good <laughs> at like remembering scripts or those kind yeah. of things. So even like when I got the TEDx opportunity, I remember beforehand, I'd, I was trying to write it out yeah. and I was, I was like trying to re- rehearse it. Mm-hmm. And um, I gave up pretty quickly. Yeah. And instead I was just rehearsing, like imagining in my head and mm-hmm. just like putting my, my story, my own story, just like, okay, what happened here, here, and how should I tell this? Yeah. And organizing it. And it was, that was an interesting experience. I did a pandemic, like it was awesome. Chattanooga got a TEDx, right? Yeah. And it was supposed to be at the convention center and the stage and family and friends and all that kind of, mm-hmm. well, pandemic happened. Yeah. So, but the next best thing from that was I actually got to film it at Freightways at the studio because we all had to do it virtual. Yeah. So um, that was really cool. So I was in, I was telling the story in front of like my production team yeah. and, and and my boss. But mm-hmm. I didn't really find it nerve-wracking because like I'm comfortable sharing and I actually think it's important. I hope it encourages other people yeah. to get help. And if anyone has a problem with uh, with like my past, then that's that's on them, not yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I'm more concerned with helping people and, yeah. and you know listening to someone who might have a problem with that. Um, it, it was, but it, you know, it was cool to do in that environment. But I really had to like go off the cuff. I, mm-hmm. I tried to do the rehearse; it, it didn't work, mm-hmm. and um, it came out pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, they might have I been, think like, it came out pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good. The yeah. the one thing that's always kind of sucked about the virtual world, though, <laughs> yeah. is like so. This became a virtual event, right? Mm-hmm. And 
it feels very hollow. Mm -hmm. Like when you're just kind of like wa watching the thing. Yeah. And you know, my parents and family is over in the, the Northeast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it's pandemic time. So it's me and the wife and the kids. Like, yeah hanging out a couple comments and yeah. like the comment section yeah so it like it wasn't huge but i love the fact that it has like this huge on-demand component and mm -hmm. can live on and go other places yeah. and it was a it was a great moment i'm really proud that chattanooga brought a tedx here and yeah. um they allowed me to uh to share the story that's awesome that's awesome man and, and I, I i as well hope that like the whole point of this is to amplify people like yourself to yeah. the stories that you have uh to bring that in front of people because you know like although uh, like you said, you have you know the the video of, of your TEDx speeches up, and anybody can watch it anytime they want. But uh, there's going to be other there's going to be other people like yourself out there that struggle with things similar to how what you've struggled with, it, or maybe want to do something similar to what you do. Uh, and hearing your story and how you got to where you are from where you went from, uh, it, it's really cool. It, it's really cool to see. And I'm, I I did not think it came off hollow, and I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I think the fact that you're here and that I you know you're you're talking to me right now is proof that it wasn't. It was great, sure. and I, I really I really think it went great. So uh, yeah, kudos to you on that, man. Um, this idea of other people, you know, outside that, like you said, you you hope that what you do can help others that may struggle with something similar to uh, what you struggle with, or maybe you know any anything that you may currently struggle with, whatever. Uh, I think that's a very commendable task and a very commendable idea. If you were to be in the room with you know yourself five, six, seven years ago, what would you tell that version of yourself? Because obviously, you know, not that not that you would want to wish uh, bad things to happen to anybody, but I would say a lot of the uh, quote unquote bad experiences you've had in your life probably helped to get you to where you are today. They helped sure. you become the person you are. Uh, what would be some things that you would tell yourself if you were to meet yourself from five, six, seven years ago? Well. 2016 is when I went into rehab. So I would, mm -hmm. that guy's fine. That yeah. guy was already <laughs> on the path. Now the guy at the beginning of 2016, yeah. um, I would have told him to start podcasting then. I would have told him to go rehab and start podcasting yeah. then. I, I think a lot of the fear was um, putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And it's really, when you're, when you're self-medicating with a drug, be it alcohol or something, mm -hmm. it's, it's just really, it's really hard to break out of those mm -hmm. habits. Like you, there, there's just so much pull. Mm -hmm. And I remember, in my last year, like I wasn't really getting drunk anymore. I was just getting sick. Mm -hmm. like, I was drinking a lot of vodka and I was, I was not like, it wasn't like I was feeling good or anything. Yeah. I was just feeling sick and like my body was craving and it was getting to mm -hmm. uh, a dark sort of spot. Mm -hmm. um, I, like I also worry too, because if uh, like me of six or seven or even 10 years ago, and that's, that, that's when I say like, I hope it resonates with other people. We just went through two years of pandemic and now we've just, um, we got a global war going on that, that could really escalate. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a lot. And if yeah. you have already had substance abuse issues or, or you're medicating that isolation of lockdowns, I imagine that there's no way whatsoever yeah. that that could have helped. And I know that if I was in that situation, 10 years ago my problem probably would have gotten a lot worse yeah no and 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 that's it's it you're exactly right I mean uh, the world is a crazy place and uh, certainly the events of today and uh, the past two to three years uh, have certainly not helped that on a macro scale uh, but something you mentioned earlier which I really like is you said in order to you know I'm paraphrasing here but basically in order to kind of confront uh, whatever issues you may have you kind of jump into the fire in, instead of instead of looking for you know like okay I'm gonna I'm hope this figures itself out or maybe if I do this it'll figure it'll it'll solve itself no you you had to take yourself and accept where you were you you could not deny what had happened to you but through that really came a lot of great things and and that acceptance really paid a lot of dividends to you I, I just I don't know I think that's a really beautiful picture because 
oftentimes, or at least in my own life, I know that if I am confronted with something that I don't like about what I'm doing or about the, just the state of my own personal life, you try to find like, okay, well, if I maybe if I go this way, it'll it'll fix it. Or maybe if I do this instead, but oftentimes you have to begin just by accepting where you're at and you have to jump yeah. into the fire. Like you said, you can't, you cannot avoid this fire. It's not going to put itself out. You have to get in the middle of it in order to start putting it out. And I think it's a, a really cool picture. Well, because yeah. if you think about it, I mean, you have to be brave enough to admit yourself. And sometimes yeah. that can be really hard. That yeah. can be like, okay, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I'm failing the people around me. Maybe I'm failing myself. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm failing my commitment, business partners, whatever it, it could be. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's work confronting mm -hmm. things because if these are issues you have, it's not like I went to rehab for five days and I walked out and I'm like, okay, yeah. I just don't feel like drinking again yeah. and, I, and I'm not depressed just like anymore. That, you're good, you know? No, it's yeah. not. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, exactly. const, it's constant work. Like, yeah. there, you, you, can, you, you know the dragon's there, you yeah. know, sealed down under you and, and you got to make sure it doesn't get out of the well, mm. right? Yeah. And you have, to, you have to be mindful of that stuff. And those are, those are struggles that I think that, you know, people with mental health or addiction sort of always have. And sometimes we forget, like, when they come, mm. it's like, oh, you're sorry, you're doing great now. Yeah. Like, um, Oh man, was it was it Travis Barker? Who is it? There was one of the guys from one of the guys from Blink One Eight Two. He got into a terrible plane crash and it caused him yeah. to rehab. And it was a really tough yeah. situation. And he started doing all this speaking mm -hmm. to to people in rehab. But the sad thing is, it got him back into mm -hmm. that scene. Yeah. And it, that's something you always have to be mindful of. One slip up, one mm -hmm. slip up, and you can get back because yeah. you don't have that that thing you can hold up over yourself, which is like. 525 days yeah. or 750 days yeah. or whatever it is that you've been counting up to. And when you set it to one, it's sort of like when you stop going to the gym or stop eating yeah. right. It's like, I'll start the diet tomorrow yeah. or I'll quit drinking tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, like you said, uh, it, it's, it's really cool that oftentimes I think that people have this idea that, you know, like we all have things that we struggle with in our lives. And part of fixing these processes is it oftentimes takes exposing ourselves and kind of opening ourselves up to the people around us, uh, you know, to varying degrees of what we're dealing with. You know, it's hard to, I would go so far as to say it's probably virtually impossible to deal with the things that we deal with on our own, just by ourselves, uh, you know, and I am, uh, I'm notorious that if I ever have anything kind of going on in my life that I'm not happy with or that's bothering me, I will try to like just internally deal with it. Like, it's okay, I'll get it, I'll, I'll figure out a way. But I found in my life, which I'm sure you would probably agree that, Whenever I eventually open up about whatever it is that's bothering me, whether it's internal, external, whatever, it feels like just a weight has been lifted off your shoulders, and it's like, okay, now I can. Now that I've spoken this issue kind of into existence, I can begin addressing it. You know, yeah. uh, and, and part of that is having people around you that are willing to help you uh, with whatever issues you're dealing with. Were there any? I'm sure there were, but how, what were, what was it like having whatever people were in your life? How how were they able to help you along the way, or what what lessons did you learn from the people that were in your life uh, from you know five, six, seven years ago up until now? It was DJ AM, by the way. That was <laughs> that 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 incident happened to that yeah. was He was on a plane yeah. with Travis oh, yeah, Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. meant no disrespect, DJ AM. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, yeah. For me, like the, the biggest support is, is in in your house. So yeah. my my wife and uh, my parents, they kind of knew the 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 journey I was embarking on. They were yeah. they were they were very happy that I was yeah. going into to get treatment and mm -hmm. deal with these things. And they were supportive when I was. Um, in 2017, 2017 was a tough year. Fortunately, my wife was, was still working too. She's mm -hmm. able to work remote because myself doing freelance and trying to launch this off, you know, I, I don't think I ever made $10,000 in, in 2017. I was living in, you know, 
right near Boston. Yeah, that's it was, it was, a really it was cheap scary. place to live. Yeah, yeah, it was scary. <laughs> but like, the thing I kept telling myself, and I think like the stuff that my 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 family was okay with was, uh, it was starting to progress. It was starting to go somewhere, and um, I think they also knew that that first year was kind of crucial to not just jump back into any role and and reset the clock mm -hmm. and and relapse and those kind of things. So I think that they understood and respected that I was my intentions were good and mm -hmm. I was really trying to uh, to do the work to correct this. And I did, like I never I never missed a, um, a therapy meeting or anything. I did try AA for me personally. Mm -hmm. It didn't it didn't work that well. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is that I found um, there were a lot of sad, sad stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm always mindful when I tell them, I don't want to make it too sad because mm -hmm. I would go into AA and I'd be like, like why? Whatever this guy's doing, it doesn't seem like he's that much better. Mm -hmm. So, like, why? It seems like it would be really easy to to fall back out. Yeah. Um, so, it didn't work there. My therapist w was great though, and I found more positive sort of support mm -hmm. groups where people talked about how they were able to take mm -hmm. that and get through it, and and stumble and fall and get back up. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things that inspired me. So, yeah. those are things I, I gravitate towards. And um, you know, I, I I think that we we don't give enough credit to sort of the energy momentum that we give ourselves. Like, and I don't mean like you can manifest things like a wizard or mm -hmm. something, but what I mean is that if you put your collective energy and the people around you support you and they put their collective energy towards it, you can make pretty amazing things happen. You mm -hmm. can make those goals happen. Mm -hmm. It takes work, it takes time, mm -hmm. but if you create that energy, that momentum, there's a draw to it, it becomes magnetic. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's, I, I, I totally agree with you because you know, whatever it is you're trying to do in your life, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, in a multimedia space like we've been talking about, but uh, it's going to be tough starting anything from the ground up, generally speaking. I mean, you have some overnight success stories in a lot of different, uh, you know, environments and avenues of life, but when you can start getting that ball rolling, when you have momentum on your side, and, and once, you know, even maybe for some people, the momentum is going in the wrong direction, trying to, trying to reverse the momentum and then go the right way, uh, can be an incredibly difficult uh, task. I mean, I know in my life, especially just with things that I've dealt with and, and things I've tried to accomplish, it's hard. Like, you know, the reason why it's so hard for some people to like lose weight is because it doesn't, ha doesn't happen overnight. Like yeah. you've, gotta, you've got to dedicate time and effort and energy and there's gonna be down, there's gonna be downs and there's gonna be ups. Like there's gonna be hills and valleys. It's not that, it's not just something that happens overnight like that. Uh, but stories like yourselves, I mean, it, it, I, I think it's very inspiring. I think it's cool because uh, it's, it's so relatable. It's, it's not someone who, uh, you know, was down in the dumps and then all of a sudden overnight it changed. It's like, oh, well, that's great, but that's yeah. not how life works usually. Yeah. I mean, 99 times out of 100, that's not how life works. And seeing people like yourself that were able to take, uh, you know, they may not have been in a great place in their life or may not have been where they wanted to be, uh, and being able to turn that into something they're passionate about and something that they, they enjoy doing and that they're proud of is, is a really, really inspiring. I, I really think it's cool. T talk about a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, just what drove you to want to do uh, do this podcasting and, and working in a multimedia space? Because you know, uh, like you said a little bit, you worked in a in a rather corporate area yeah. uh, before you started doing podcasting. What exactly is it about speaking and being in front of a microphone that that wanted you to that drew you towards that? It, so when I first got out of college, my first job was at this independent record label, yeah. and um, I really liked it. I got to be really creative. Mm -hmm. I got to be a band scout. I got mm -hmm. to talk to people. I got to go out, and I got to put together albums. And I mean, that was my job, to talk yeah. to bands, find songs, make records mm -hmm. for this indie label. And it, it was great, right? And um, I always kind of, like, they didn't 
they didn't really pay me enough for, for LA. And, yeah. But I, I always regret that I didn't stay with that particular place longer and, and make it work out because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I had a rude awakening. Pre, I, like, I realized like, I thought like Capitol Records, everyone's going to hire me. Turns out like, you know, you had like Napster, Kazaa, Morpheus. This was like 2000, yeah. 2002, it was 2002, I was looking for a job. So yeah. like all the file share companies were raging and the music industry was just like bleeding money and yeah. they were firing people. Yeah. They weren't hiring people. Yeah. So my dumbass <laughs> ended up having to work at this place called the Three Dog bakery at the Grove in downtown Los I'm not even kidding like yeah. I was so desperate I was making like dog treats for six dollars and 75 cents this an wasn't hour for people this was for this was this was do- like treats for dogs they were for dogs yeah. but like they were human grade oh, and it was okay. at the Grove so like the Grove in California is weird because a lot of sl- like you'd be like selling like cookies to random people and like Rose McGowan comes in yeah and I'm like so embarrassed that Rose McGowan <laughs> sees me cooking uh dog treats and yeah. I'm like wait Rose McGowan doesn't even know I am yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he knows what I am. But I had to yeah. get out of the dog bakery. Actually, they fired me at the dog bakery. I wasn't good at like decorating dog treats. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. I've, I've never tried, but I can tell you, I'm not going to be good at it either. So don't, yeah. don't feel bad. I got. I used to work at a Baskin Robbins. They took me off cakes because like I just I couldn't <laughs> put people's names on there. That's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah. But man. the reason yeah. like I really wanted to do it is that I wanted to be in a. Um, in a creative field, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew that initially I had to get the ball rolling by talking about something I knew about. And I knew that there was a wide open door mm-hmm. in my industry to do what I wanted to do. Nobody was doing podcasting in a conversational, casual way. Mm-hmm. Everything was like audio stripped from webinars, mm-hmm. if they even tried. There was no marketing around it. There was no like yeah. brand personality. There was no persona. There was no like attitude or flair or swagger or anything. Yeah. It was boring. Like no wonder nobody listens to that, yeah. sh- that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I thought I could, I was like, this is a great opportunity to really change it. So let, let me give it a shot. Yeah. So, and then when freight waves came around, like they were the other catalyst that was like the, the rocket ship. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, if they hadn't come around, I'd probably still, because I wouldn't get the exposure I had, I'd probably still you know, be making content marketing um, for uh, a firm or two, which is mm-hmm. great. I, maybe I've expanded it to a business at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been seasoned enough, but it wouldn't really necessarily be the, what I had in mind. And the great thing about Freightways is they've basically allowed me to do everything I want to do. Yeah. Like they don't really stand in my way. They're really cool. Like um, the CEO over there and myself, we, we, we talk a lot and mm-hmm. I, we're, we're usually on the same wavelength on stuff. Mm-hmm. And even if like, he doesn't understand it. He usually trusts like the tone that yeah. I'm going for with yeah. something. He's like, yeah, just, just go for it. Yeah. So that's been an awesome environment. And I think like being a startup, the chaos of it and the constant change and the constant growth is, mm-hmm. um, has been helpful yeah. because it hasn't made me feel stagnant. And I think the biggest dangers in life are when you get stuck. And if you're in that sort of corporate job, and I've been in them, where you're like account executive one, mm-hmm. and then like maybe a year later you'll get account executive two, yeah. and they'll do you know. And there's there's just not that many ways to move. Like I had I didn't want to go in that. I'm like the most scary thing to me would be like wait a second I'm coming in here and like no matter what I do I can't change my circumstance during this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of why I gravitated towards sales. At least I could get like commissions. At least mm-hmm. I have some ownership mm-hmm. of what I'm doing. And I think that's what I like about content creation yeah. is that um, how that performs and how that does is is, is my responsibility. So yeah. I have to be behind it. But I, I like it. I like that growth. I like I like that I get to keep growing the boat. Yeah, yeah and and there's some uh, there's there's a lot of creative freedom in that. You know, in in whatever you do, being able to own it for yourself. Uh, but there's also like some somewhat exciting risk to it as well because you know like you said it's the the lane that you find yourself in is not a traditional lane by any means uh but you are kind of the captain of your own ship and yeah. you are able to drive it in the direction that you want and there's obviously some risk that's like well if i crash this ship that's on me but at the same time uh 
you can take it to some pretty cool places. And having the ability and the freedom to do that, I think is really liberating. It's, it's really cool to have that uh, freedom and capability to say, you know what, there's probably gonna be ups and downs and whatever I'm creating here, whatever I'm trying to do, but ultimately, I decide my fate with this. You know, I'm, I, it's up to me to do this, and that can be a little bit scary, but that can also be very exciting because you know that if you have the right will to do it and you have the vigor for it, you may just yet be able to do what you want to do and, and be able to take it to some pretty cool places, whatever, whatever it is in life that you're, you're hoping to do, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, think that's, I think that's a really, really cool picture. So, uh, well, cool, man. Well, we've been uh, talking for, I think, probably close to 40-ish 40, 40 minutes now. Before we, <laughs> before we wrap up things, I have one uh, kind of bonus topic I wanted to ask you about. Sure. We've been talking about podcasts a lot and just about what you do and uh, different multimedia avenues. Your, you personally, what are some of your favorite podcasts that you would recommend anybody listening to? Uh, just your top two or three podcasts that you personally like to listen to that you want to give a shout out to before we before we close up things here. Sure, um, How Stuff Works is one of my favorite. Oh yeah, yeah, Ch Chuck and Josh on How Stuff yeah, Works. In yeah, fact, yeah. we uh, we had to drive to North Carolina recently from mm -hmm. Chattanooga, and it's, it was about yeah. a nine hour drive yeah. to get over there. Yeah. We went through South the border and everything, yeah. but we were just we were just crushing How Stuff Works episodes. It was good because yeah. I got a five and seven year old boys, so yeah. there's you know there's only certain content you can play. Yeah. And there's only so many times you can hear uh, we don't talk about Bruno and yeah. the Encanto soundtrack. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> so it was nice to, to, to have some how stuff works. Change that it up a little bit, yeah. That one's one of my favorite. You know, it's it's sort of weird. So some of my favorite ones that I have grown up mm -hmm. with, um, the hosts have kind of like changed and gone in a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, but Bill Simmons is, is one of my favorites. I, I very much ad admire him and his career trajectory. He started out um, in the Boston area doing his own blog. Mm -hmm. He was hired by ESPN. He mm -hmm. built a big uh, persona there. He, mm -hmm. he started podcasting very early on in the game. He eventually started his own site and company based around that. And, and I love it. He's living... He's living the dream. So I've been, a, I've always been a huge fan of, of Bill Simmons, uh, how stuff works. And, um, I don't want to be cheesy and say our own shows. So, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, listen. I listen, you know what yeah. I, I listen to like a mishmash of yeah. like true crime stuff. Oh yeah, um, you're not the only one. That probably you're not yeah. the only one that's, that listens to that for sure. Well, no, it's like I, I look. I'm not gonna lie. I used to be like a huge Joe Rogan fan too. Yeah. Yeah. But like during the pandemic, it kind of changed like mm -hmm. the, the content and everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of pivoted away from that. Yeah. But like he was one of the early yeah. originators. Adam Carolla was one of the early like originators. And they used to be way more like sort of comedy focused. Yeah. It wasn't like. Yeah. the political yeah. thing it yeah. is now. Yeah. Um, but in terms of now, like a little bit more wholesome stuff yeah. for I listen to, yeah, like yeah. Chuck and Josh with how stuff works. Uh, and then, um, yeah. you know, true crime has been harder. I, like I grew up being a huge true crime fan. I was, yeah. I, was I used to like watch all those shows and I had kids and yeah. like, now you can't watch that stuff. Yeah. It, 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 especially when kids are involved. Yeah. It, it kind of gives me, um, <laughs> it gives me nightmares, yeah. man. You gotta listen to the, whenever you're on, you gotta listen, like you said, the, the Encanto soundtrack just over oh, and over sure. again. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, cool, man. Awesome. Well, uh, before we close up things here, is there anything you wanna, you know, anything you wanna shout out, promote before we go? Uh, just whatever, the floor yeah. is yours before you wrap up things here. Sure. If you wanna check out my show, look up What the Truck wherever you get your podcasts, or you can uh, watch it on the Freightwaves TV app. You can watch it on tv.freightwaves.com. I think they're on YouTube. Anyway, it's called What the Truck, available on podcast players everywhere. And if you want to connect with me socially, either LinkedIn, Timothy Dooner, or on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for <laughs> thank coming you. on. Thanks and thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.